on everybody it's your boy real back with another review man all right we are here it is throne thursdays and it is the season one finale we are reviewing but before we get into that salute to the discord gang to all those listening on apple and spotify podcast and of course you the viewer you enjoying this video on your mobile app on your television screens or wherever you're viewing this salute to thy now that was Tyrellius Lannister right there. This one, man, this was one of my, I, I was waiting to get here because I wanted to have a discussion with y'all first. Like how I'm going to review this one is by kicking it off with, is this to the best of your memory, right? The best season finale you've ever seen. Cause I remember claiming it as such when i watched it in real time whenever this whatever year this season finale actually happened whatever magnanimous sunday that was i remember saying this is possibly the best season finale i've ever seen and i've seen a lot and i'm not talking about series finale like how you end a complete show you know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about season finale. And I'm still sitting here thinking, I was racking my brain, like, what's good season finales? Like, what was I blown away from? Like, oh my God, I can't wait till it comes back. I can't believe they just left me with a cliffhanger like this. Of recent memory, it was season three of the Mayans when there was a war waiting outside of the clubhouse. That was pretty, that was a pretty big finale. I thought that was really good. Um, I'm trying to think of like something older. Maybe I want to say like one of the wires had me one, one of the seasons of the wire, maybe three, maybe season three of the wire, the way that ended, that was a hell of a finale. And like, mm, I draw a blank after that. There's like, like if y'all get the name of them, I'm going to be like, oh, shit, I remember that. Okay, I remember that. But I'm drawing the blank. Like, those are the three that comes to my mind automatically. I know there was a season in Sopranos I really like. No, there was a season in Dexter. I want to say it was, man, the season one finale of Dexter was kind of crazy. But there was also one with the Trinity Killer. I think that season finale might have been crazy. Whichever one where they killed off Dukes. Yeah. So I want to know where do y'all rank this finale? Cause I have it high. I got it top two, not two. That's just that's where I land with it. And I'm going to what I'm going to do is present my case right now. So settle in. If you like, hell no, this ain't the best. It was that let me let me present my case first. Then you tell me if I'm wrong. Now, what do you want from a season finale? You want some things wrapped up, a you want um you, you right you want some loose ends kind of wrapped up you want some excitement for the next episode you want a cliffhanger that's like i got to wait a year and you want something major like you want something major to happen a cliffhanger and a couple loose ends and maybe some new created ones right to give you a look into the future of of season 2 so you kind of got an idea what it's all about and I think this thing excelled, excelled on all aspects. Uh, like, let's start with knowing Joffrey. 
this was an episode where we see Joffrey being a dick, right? He was this season. When was he? When was he a dick? When he came to Winterfell, right? Tyrion had to slap him around a little bit, get him right. He was also an asshole um, when he was talking to, with the, with the Arya situation, that whole fight that that skerfluffle that happened with Joffrey, and he's sitting there lying and got some poor kid killed and got the dog killed. We was like, oh, that's a dick move. But Sansa had some play in that too. And then we have him last episode cutting off Ned's head, going against the plan, the whole plan was to get him to get Ned to do exactly what he did and banish him. Instead, Joffrey decided to banish his head. So now we're like, oh, can he he can't get no worse than this. Now we see the dick he is. This episode, it takes Joffrey's evil next level. This episode, I think, is Joffrey's defining moment of the actual person he is. Not when he cut off Ned's head. Because you could you could argue he did that to assert dominance. You could argue he did that to say, hey, my mama don't run shit, right? She don't make my decisions. I'm my own king. Some young boy trying to prove himself. You could argue that. You could argue he wants to be a no-nonsense king. There might be a king that he was a fan of and was like, no, nah, you talk shit about me. You might be petty. You could argue those things last episode. Evil, you could argue, but it probably wouldn't hold as strong of an argument as this episode here. Like, this was his defining piece of shit moment. When he took Sansa, when he saw her just dejected self, like, she's still, her father's head is freshly rolling, cemented. Like, if she's going through it, he takes her. And says, yo, come with me. Like, everything is cool. And she's like, all right, let's roll. And where does he take her to point out her father's head on the spike? To break her down. Then she, then he picks at her. And tells her, like, as a gift to you. Because my mother said I got to marry you. So he's letting her know, like, I don't want to marry you. And my mother's making me do this. So fuck it. If I got to do it, I'm going to give you a wedding gift. I'm going to kill your brother. I'm going to kill family your family and they're going to join him there is no motive for him to do this to this girl that other than to see her hurt she has been nothing but good to him you know she wanted to be his wife so badly she defended him against her blood sister she played her role to the umpteenth and was really digging him she really liked him even through all his bullshit. And still, there is some sadistic thing in him that must see people hurt. He gets off on the pain of others. And we see that this episode. So now we're like, oh, this is going to be the reign of Joffrey. So this finale lets you know right here, the evils of Joffrey Lannister and what's to come. Um... Also, we have, this is all the aftermath of Ned's death, right? So you got a, a clip into something happening with Rob, right? You got Lady Stark wanting to break down, holding it together, 
She wa- she walks off into the forest to break down, but sees Rob breaking down and instead encourages her son. So she's like, okay, I can't be weak. So we see Lady Stark, and we when we see Lady Stark and Rob embrace as he's trying to chop the shit out that tree, like he's going at it. And Rob only wants to see them dead. He wants to murder them all. And when he when she embraces him and says, no, we have to get your sisters. We can't go off the handle. She's setting herself up to be a, a, a important piece for Rob. Like now she's his counselor because we've seen her shut her. We've seen Rob shut de- shut his mom down earlier. But this one, now that they're sharing this experience and she's here with them and letting them know, like, we must still be strategic through the pain. And that's getting your sisters first. That is thing one. And and then he just says how he wants to kill them all. He, she says, nope, we take your sisters, then we kill them all. Right? So now she has plugged herself in as a main character in the upcoming war. Well, it's already a war, but the war to follow. What else do we learn out there? At the meeting... When Rob and them had their, their tears and they, and they got all the crying out, we get introduced to a new theme for next season. One of which where they all sat around, my man who done lost fingers to a dog has been talking shit to John's face. I mean, not John, to Rob's face. He hasn't hidden. He called him out as being a child. He tried to threaten him with taking his men. He has... He has questioned every move Rob wanted to make to his face, to Rob's face. He ain't, this dude is a, I respect him. He's a soldier. He's loyal and he's crazy. But one thing he's not is a snake. He hasn't gone behind Rob's back once. Every issue he had with Rob, he took it directly to him. So you got to respect that. And this is the same man who in this meeting where they're discussing who do we back? This is a major conversation. Do we go with one of Baratheon's brothers? Right? Who is the the true heir to the throne? Who are we fighting for? Who are we linking up with? Who are our allies? Who are our enemies? This is where it gets set. Ned's dead, so there's no conversation. Right? As long as Ned was alive, you can negotiate. Ned's dead, and... It's go time now. Ned's death sparked <laughs> an entire war of Westeros. Like, there's going to be so much to come off the death of one man, which he should feel honored. There's not too many people other than the king himself who you could just kill and nations go to war over. And I think that's very interesting. As I say it now, like, that's something to look out for. That's wild that uh, the death of the hand the murdering of the hand because look look at john aaron john aaron caught a fat one with poison his wasn't so public but there's rumors who came to john aaron's aid nobody but you killed ned oh shit is up is up in this stuck so as they're discussing who goes into power my man steps up who's been questioning rob this is very important he's been questioning rob the entire go he is the one who introduces King of the North. And why does he do that? We see there he has his own agenda. This ain't something you just think of 
on the go. The way he said, I don't want none of these people in the South ruling my land. I don't want nobody from the South telling me what I can do up here up North. We got to check in. We got to do this. People that never visit up here run shit up here. No, thank you. So this seems to be something that's been going on up North for a long time. And they're using Rob for their real agenda. And that's to separate themselves as its own entity, as the North being its own kingdom with his own king. Fuck civil war. They talking about, yeah, basically, yeah, they're talking about just separating completely. So this is something that has been thought of. And I didn't think of that till this rewatch. I'm like, hmm. And everybody's cheering. They feel the same way. And you couldn't get this off unless Ned was dead. You couldn't get this off unless Rob was in charge. Because now you got everybody cheering. King of the North, King of the North, taking a knee. Now, Rob is a victim of the moment. And Rob is feeling he's going now from just the Lord of Winterfell to, hmm, I like the sound of King of the North. So King of the North gets to do what the fuck he wants, right? Because I'm King of the North, goddammit. And that is where that grows. So that's why that's so great. Because now it's setting up like, oh, we're not just fighting for Ned's honor no more. Now we're about to separate a whole kingdom from Westeros. We about to, it's over. We getting our own king. So now this is a whole bigger issue that's coming for season two. I thought that was excellent. Excellent. That's just one more thing that makes what I believe to be the best season finale ever. Also, we get... John Snow. All of our favorites right now. I know all of us loving John right now. So we see him battling whether he should go back for the war. Well, I don't really know if it's a battle because he left. But you see the development in the relationship with Sam and a few of the guys from the wall. Sam is really his bro. He knows deserters get murdered. Of course, John knows better than anybody. His you know, his father was the one executing the motherfucker. So he knows what comes with it. But he's been teetering that line of the wall and my family. Now you kill Ned, he ready to go. Not when his boys track him down, though, remind him of that oath he took. And I knew in that moment he was thinking like, damn, what would Pop say? The most honorable man anybody knows. But I thought it was key. I thought something was really different that I didn't peep before in this uh finale when they recited the oath right it was until my death then i can be free of the wall and that is something that they set up because we know what happens to john and it's like that and at that moment he was no longer attached to the wall like he was free and i was like holy shit it's been right in our face like that whole time it was like a eureka moment so they they dropped that little gem that you need to go back for something like this to even look out for but what we all been wanting to know is what the fuck is north of that wall so jor's dad been getting all these weird ass reports he's like fuck it I'm going to see it myself. I'm not going to sit here and wait. 
I, I just keep sending people out there. They don't return. Or when I get information back, I need to see it for myself. And it's also smart on his part, the commander, to do this because he knows he's holding on to John by a thread. And he figures like, well, if I could tempt him with a legit mission, let him know how the, the, the knights of the, the wall, how we get down, we will fu- we'll further bring him in. So, yes, he does want to go get Benji. But I think this is a great time to bring Jon Snow more into the fold if he is, in fact, grooming him for leadership. So now we it ends Jon Snowy, Jon Snowy, Jon Snow's story. Uh, this season ends with him about to go north of the wall. So we like, holy shit. Next season, we about to see what the wildlings look like. Maybe get some some white walkers. You know, some giants was over there. And it's just, you just can't wait. Like, how are you topping this season? How are you topping this season finale? So, yes, now John is gone. He's all in. Sam, too. They going north of the wall. And that's going to be good. Next thing up, what we got? Tyrion. Tyrion has been traveling, meeting everybody. He has met everybody of importance, everybody that is going to be a mover and shaker in the upcoming seasons. He's had conversations with Rob. He's gained, he's garnered Rob's respect. He's had conversations with Bran. He's garnered Bran's respect. He's garnered a relationship with John. He's got John's respect. Look at what Tyrion has done. He's earned the respect of Lady Stark, who detested him she respects him Tyrion has laid out a complete li- he has Bronn on his side he's got a traveling compartment uh, uh companion he's got a friend he hasn't the only person he could trust was Jamie he never trusted his sister him and his sisters got that relationship but Jamie was really his only man's and now he's gone he has brought Bronn in to assume somewhat of a position Tyrion has become tight with the 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 storm folk right Tyrion met the the psycho from the veil escaped that so he knows what's going on in the veil Tyrion really has the the aspects of everything and the respect of everybody except family until this episode he smacked the shit out of Joffrey Joffrey know not to fuck with him. Now, here comes Tywin and Tyrion. Tywin has been disrespecting Tyrion, treating him like a child, and underestimate him, thought he was a fool, until this moment at the table. While all the lords coming up with this, man, we lost a major battle. They got Jamie. We need to talk peace. It took, as we're looking like, peace? Peace? Here comes Tyrion. He said, oh, there's going to be peace on the floor. On this broken glass, like, you killed this man's father. Ned would have been useful. We could have negotiated peace. We could have set everything would have been fine until you murdered Ned. That's out the door. War it is. And they're winning. Why would I come to the table when I'm winning? And the fact that Tywin is hearing the only voice of reason from the least likely source, this is when he goes, okay, he's my son. 
I feel like this episode is where he actually claimed Tyrion. Like he always, you know, regard him as his son and had to look after him because Tywin is family first. Even if that family comes with Tyrion and his antics. But Tywin, this is the one where this was the respect <laughs> that Tyrion always longed for. And he finally got this man has been gaining respect all season. And it ends with his father's respect. The one thing he needed. The one thing he he didn't even have words for. It, no snappy comebacks. None of that. When he was asked to stay and Tywin gave him his props, said, I always thought you was a fool. You not. Now that I know that, I got a job for you. I got to run this war. I ain't got no time to be hand to the king. What I need you to do, you be hand to the king in my stead. Right? And you keep that little brat of a king and his mama. That was big. <laughs> and you keep her, his mama in line if need be. This, the Tywin knows his children. Now, he underestimated Tyrion. He knew what Tyrion was on the surface. He didn't know that he actually had a functioning, working, logical brain. He thought he just had whores and mead on the mind. You know, I mean, come on. That's what Tyrion did best. But he's like, okay, you might be a useful kid after all. And that little spark, that little thing of respect sets Tyrion on a whole new path. Now Tyrion gets his first piece of responsibility. Tyrion had no responsibility this entire season. But in this finale, it sets up for him to have the biggest task. You got to go up against a... Uh, a fucking satanic Joffrey with power and then you gotta go up against with his equally if not worse mother Cersei Tyrion is tasked with that now if Tywin was there ain't nobody questioning that shit but this leads to and now all we want as an audience is to see holy shit how is Tyrion gonna be handed the king the most important job and it also lets us know he's going to be working with Varys and Lord Baelish. Holy shit. I can't wait to see when them three got to come up with something. And that is how you end that. That's how you end Tyrion's season. Knowing that he's about to go south and holy hell. If we thought Ned was going to have a rough time as Hand of the King, Tyrion is about to be next level. And Ned was noble. He, he he was actually trying to do the job. Tyrion. Oh. And he's bringing Shay with him. And right now we all love Shay. I know you do. I do. We all love Shay. We like her accent. We like her toughness. And we just think that they make a good match right now. Now we do know in our gut this ain't gonna end well. We know how Tywin feels about whores and what he has them do when it comes to Tyrion. And he explicitly told Tyrion not to bring her. So we know the fact that Tyrion said, I'm bringing you with me. We know that's doomed for failure. So we can't wait to see how that's going to fuck up. So I thought that was an excellent way to wrap up Tywin's first loss and uh, him and Tyrion's situation. And speaking of Lord Baelish and Varys, they started off bickering, going at each other. And then we get them with this thing of respect at the end. Cause I guess, I guess I didn't notice that, but subconsciously before this conversation, 
I was always like, why do they fuck with each other? Like, how do you work with somebody you hate like that? But then I think I go to work every day with people I hate. I guess you just get it done. I guess you just get it done. But this one, I think, shows their relationship. They end this season with respect going tit for tat. You know, um, Baelish is landing haymakers on Varys about his him being a, a eunuch. What's between his legs and, and gashes. And, and, and Varys is just so witty. And he's like, oh, I'm flattered to know that all you obsess about is what's between my legs. And it's just this thing. It's like this banter. I don't think there's no better banter on any show ever. Unless it's between them two. Like, there's no two conversations that people have better than them two. Like, their buddy cop shit is next level. I love it. If you want to talk about a frenemy, these people were the first frenemies in in human history. This was since people have created fire, they were they were frenemies. This is it, and you see they got their respect, and and they let us all know that they just playing a role. And here comes our next king, and it was like them just, it was like they had their little huddle. And they was like, you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. And go. In walks King. Let's get to our jobs. Uh, you know what you got to do. You know what I'm going to do. Respect. It's like shaking hands before a boxing match. That's what it was. It was the respect of two fighters jabbing at each other. And then at the end going, well, we about to start a whole new fight. So I'll see you out there. You know, good luck to you. And then we see the sneaky ass Grand Meister. I thought that was brilliant just to add that part. But 10 episodes, he has been this old crotchety forgetful man that goes off into just the sunset and just moving. So, and everybody's irritated with him, but here he is freshly off serving up some pumps while a whore just washes herself. I thought that was so key. He's holding a full conversation about Kings and he's really speaking to himself just out loud while she's there. And when she leaves the room, he gets up and does full calisthenics stretches out. He's not no hunch over crockety man. He's not. No. And you go, what the fuck? He even started dropping it low. Right when he got out the bed, he was like, oh, stretch these hands out, stretch this back. I'm going to drop it. Drop it two times like get knees like Megan. Then he gets all suited up. And then he starts walking regular until he gets to the door. And he's like, oh, shit, that's right. Whew, time to get into character. Whew. Goes down and walks out the door as slow as possible. And I go, holy shit. It, those little things like that is what I believe makes fina- like this finale. When, did, when have you, when has that happened? Some kind of inane character, right? He had some, he he led people on missions, but he just kind of was there. And it shows the 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 eye for detail in this to just have the Grand Meister be like that. And then you learn who the Grand Meister is. He's just playing a role too. Baelish and Varys just had a thing about, I'm just playing my role. This is what it is. This is how we play the game. And Grand Meister plays his game by us unassuming and that tale of the kings he tells us how the mad king was really a nice dude super charming 
And how madness is the worst thing that can happen to anybody. And then you know what that makes me think of? Viserys. Nice dude. He was charming. He's kicking it. He's not. But what if what happens once he goes mad? And he's just showing how he survived even the Mad King era. Because he's not a threat. He assumes not a threat. Yet he's going to always be there. And I'm like, wow. You just get so much satisfaction from this season. This this one episode. You got Daenerys, who did the classic genie mistake. That situation where, like, on like Wishmaster. I love that movie. Love the movies, I should say. Wishmaster. Yeah, you know the evil gen. You find that ruby, you start asking for wishes, and he thinks it's the most fucked up thing he could do to you with that wish where you go i want to be the 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 most wealthiest person on earth and then he like it makes you shit gold coins or something until you're day until you're dead like like he'll just think of the but you'll be the richest but like he just thinks of the most the worst things that could possibly do to you when you come up with these wishes and that seems like it would be what happened to daenerys she asks for the life of her her call to be saved. And yeah, you got a saved man. He's alive. But it cost she said it was going to take a death to bring a life. Didn't tell you it was going to be your baby. And you gave birth to some reptilious winged dragon boy who I to this day would love to have seen. Oh, how great would that would have been. We seen that creature that that witch des- described. Oh, that would have been the only thing that made this episode better than me. And like, if I could change anything about this episode, that would be it. That'd be it. That'd be the one thing I'd say undoubtedly make it the greatest thing I've ever just witnessed. That creature being born and the skin falling off it, like she explained. But she did it in such good detail that we all had the visual in our head. So I thought that was dope. Save some money. Just be really descript. But this is a loose end. This was a huge loose end that's got tied up. Because while, you know, from the call getting the scratch to Khaleesi having her help him, we didn't know for sure if the witch really had him, really fucked him over. Because she was playing her part. That whole thing, I was just like, no, maybe his cut just really got too infected. He did just let it linger there. That did just happen. And people get scratched every day, B. Like, why is he so sick? Like, are, like what's happening? And that, she shut that down. The witch, with her one-on-one with Daenerys, let her know. Yeah, no, I'll put you in this situation. I fucked the call up. Got him, to, had him on death's door. I brought him back for you. Because you kind of did me a solid. I gave you what you asked for. Not quite what you wanted. But I gave it. And then you talk about doing me a favor and this. She really let it be known that ma'am i was raped three times before you even quote unquote saved me it's been over people i took care of i seen raped beheaded murdered like no and you want me to thank you sorry this is what life is like when you take everything else from it like you did me talking about you gave me my life i thought that was a powerful conversation i thought that was something daenerys that she learned a hard life's lesson a hard life's lesson. You can't save people that 
through force. It has to be decision. These people have to decide, and that sets Daenerys on the course, right? That we just now, you know, we know what is to come to her, but that whole, it has to be their choice. I can't do it like this one. You know, there's going to be a point where all these advisors come to her and tell her, you got to go do this, you got to do And she is so adamant about, they need me. They need to need me. Okay, I can't just go out here and just do whatever. So that's a powerful lesson she learned. And another loose end, when she kills the witch, you know, setting fire to the call, she kills the call. I was a little tight about that, too. I'm not going to lie to you. My man only been comatose for one day. Like, he, you was talking, the way she was talking to him, like, oh, you're strong. Snap out of it. You got it. I'm like, damn, okay, encouraging words. She gave this nigga like four hours to get his act together before she smothered the shit out of him. I'm like, shorty, we ain't gonna wait this out a week. See if, you know, maybe you could travel. Like, she didn't even think to travel the call someplace else to find a healer. Her first inclination was, you know what? Fuck this up. I'm gonna just go ahead and smother him to death. I was like, is that what we jumped to? You put him in this situation. And I just felt like you jumped the gun on that one. Like, damn. Try to make another deal with another entity. Just drag the call with you. Like, you got you got people. But yeah, so I thought, you know, I thought she kind of was a little rude. Smothering my man. Couldn't even scream or do nothing. You just twitching. I was like, damn, that's a rough way for the call to go out. I don't I don't like that death. But at this point, Daenerys is like, fuck it. I'm all or nothing. And Jorah shows his uh, loyalty and trying to stop her because he knows what she got planned when she put those dragon eggs up in there. And it led to what quite might, might quite possibly be the best closing scene ever. In a land where dragons were thought of as fiction by a lot, a distant memory by some, um, very few evidence for just the initiated, the select few, and the dragon bones. Here she comes with three fresh baby dragons. And yes, I'm not about to be creepy, but a naked Daenerys with dragons is top shelf. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. They put it out there. They put it on TV. What do you want from me? I thought it. I liked all the visuals. Sue me. What do what, what, you want from me? I like the visuals. And then we all went, holy shit, she got dragons. She got dragons. That was the biggest holy shit moment. She didn't burn to death. We like, oh, she's different. You can't burn her. And she's got three dragons. If that doesn't set up your brain to be like season two, that's that what that right there. Like, um, there's some few inconsequential things, but that we know that I looked at also, um, before we wrap up Sansa and Arya. Arya is getting set on a journey to become a boy. And claim orphan and hide. Another thing I learned interesting in this episode. Her walking around with that sword is equivalent to like look her looking like like a sword then is like having a gold chain. 
or like rocking chains. That's like a sign of like some bread having a sword. And I never considered that. You know, when we watch all those medieval things, we're like, hey, everybody has a sword. You just go to a blacksmith. How much could a sword cost? But you think about it. When food is scarce, when you're trying to work and provide for a family, the last thing you're doing is spending whatever little money you got left over when you got taxes to pay for the kings and shit. The last thing you're thinking about doing with your money is copping a sword that you're not, and you're probably not going to use. You work every day. What you need a sword for? Except for just to show it off like, hey, you see, I got a sword, fam. You got one? Look how big my sword is. Castle steel, bitch. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like that. So this, this, it shows me like the value of swords. Now I don't just look at swords like, you know, I looked at John's sword like, oh, Valyrian steel. Oh, that's nice. But I ne- it never occurred to me the price or the prestige that comes with such a sword until I seen what happened to Arya with her very tiny needle. Them boys was ready to stomp her out over that shit. And this is where we saw the birth of the Arya we all came to love. Beating up, you know what I'm saying, faced with danger and rising to the occasion. Saying, you know what? I got a sword. I got a pole on me. She had a medieval pole. That was that was the first blicky. Put it, and then she transformed herself into somebody she's going to have to become to survive. She got She's heading north. That's all we know. She's got no family. Nobody knows. Sansa don't knows where she at. Don't know if she's alive. Um, none of her family knows where she at. They think she's at King's Landing. Ned was the only person that knew where Arya was headed. So Arya's just in the wind. Off to be whatever. And the blacksmith is her homie. Help hold her down. So we're like, we need to know the journey of Arya. What's about to happen? But this was her birth. And then her being called uh, a boy. Uh, look at the boy, a boy. A boy must go into the woods and pee and all that type of conversation. Leads up to other things like she becomes a survivalist. Um, but Sansa, oh my God. Sansa's face in this one, when Joffrey did that pure evil to her early in this episode, that's where Sansa transformed. This was Sansa and Arya's transformation. When Joffrey ordered that dude to slap her around because he said, oh, it's not good for a man to slap a woman. So you get her. I said, what? And then we see the hound come to her aid and tell her, no, hold on to that. You're going to need it again. And the hound gave her some game. Like, look, you in a fucked up spot. You just need to listen and do what you got to do because this is where you at now. And it was at that moment she knew. She couldn't be, her innocence died. All that, oh, daddy, I want to be a princess. He's the king and I'm going to be a queen. I'm going to give him many little babies. And that shit died right there. Now she's empty. She's got no family, nobody to trust. And she considered murdering Joffrey right then and there. So that's a message. That's something to look out for. She's not going to let this slide. So Sansa... This is the death of her innocence right here. Like, and she's on a, this was her beginning of her long, rough, rough ass journey. Cause I've argued with people who had a harder go, Arya or Sansa. And I ain't gonna lie to you. I think out of everybody and everybody's situation, Jon Snow, all of them, 
I think Arya had the roughest ride in Game of Thrones. The roughest. Oh, God. I, like, we, it's easy for us not to like Sansa, but Jesus Christ. As we continue with these reviews and recaps of these, um, these old GOT episodes, boy, Sansa, I would, I do not envy her, nor could anybody claim she had it easy. But, uh, wow. Excellent, excellent fucking episode. What do I give it a 20 out of 10? 20, I'm standing with, this was the best season finale I've ever seen, but I can't be argued out of it. And if you like to attempt to, please get in the comments. Feel free. Let me know. Remind me, put me on. I've seen just about everything, so there's nothing you could, you know. So just throw it out there and let's have that argument. Uh, I'll probably get in bigger detail if you join the discourse. So I suggest you get in there. That's what a good argument happens. Uh, but with that, man, protect your health, yourself, your wealth, man. Your boy Rail is out of here. Peace. Yo, I know I don't need no introduction, but y'all know who it is, man. It's your boy, Hollywood Rail. And I appreciate you for sliding through and watching these videos. But you know what I need from you? All right, if you ain't already, I need you to like this and subscribe this, man. We at 1,000 trying to get to two, all right? Push it for your boy. Get them algorithms up. So when it comes to that subscribe button...